Welcome to the Pantheon Podcast. This is episode two. My name's Kagan. This is Shannon. Yeah. We're going to get right into it. So, I think the first thing that would be interesting to talk about would be Marshall Rosenberg's NBC. Okay. You were wanting to talk about that quite a bit, though. Yeah. You'll be watching videos about it yesterday. Um, and we just thought it would be a really good answer to the versus mentality that we see at the moment. So just the way that you're actually, in order to hear somebody correctly, in order to speak so that you can be understood, um, I think using NPC is, is a good way to do that. Yeah, because it seems to be like the bane of the versus mentality in a sense, yeah. because it allows you to empathically connect with the other person and to genuinely try to understand them instead of othering them, which is something we hear a lot about these days. Yeah, and I said correctly, I didn't really mean that. I just meant that um, speaking in a way to get your needs met. Yeah. I think if you want to get your needs met, you have to... It just works if you actively do care about the other person that you're interacting with. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, because then... If you're showing care towards them and the things that they do, they'll actually do it out of love for you instead of fear and guilt. Yeah, well, that's something that's, Marshall was talking about yesterday, yeah, eh? When that's he's... all part of the NPC process. Mm. That was uh, the difference between a request and a demand. Yeah. It's almost like it's so much more than just the difference in the way that you speak or what you say. It's like taking judgments out of it. You have to actually question a lot of things that you think along the way as well. So it's almost like it's similar to um, the Poltec religion. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Ruiz. Yeah, the mastery of self is almost like getting to that point where you understand um, that a lot of the, I guess a lot of the anger that you feel towards other people, the hurt that you feel isn't actually necessarily caused by them. So stopping, instead of blaming somebody else for the things that happen, or for the way that you feel, you actually see what you could do yourself to to change that, or to fix that, or to heal that, or to actually ask why you're feeling that way, instead of just assuming it's the other person. And it goes a lot with That's that. a message that's come from quite a few different sources, eh? And they've all yeah. sort of shared them in their own way. Yeah, differentiation. Yes, differentiation, which yeah. is the balance between <laughs> codependency, which is relying too much on the other, or, mm. or both parties relying on each other too heavily. And I'm, I can't quite remember the term, but I guess you could say maybe selfishness. The balance between over-relying on someone and uh, selfishly sort of disconnecting yourself from the other's needs, there's a balance, and the, the understanding of the balance is called differentiation. And to be differentiated is to be able to maintain your sense of self, um, rely on yourself to be able to look after yourself and to maintain your own needs to an extent, but to marry that with your partner and have them doing the same thing. That way you're both able to rely on each other in a connected way that supports the connection instead of relying on the connection to um, keep the relationship together. And we see many examples of that with families that um, 
like they'll get married and they'll have a child to try and save their relationship. Yeah. And that's something that's quite dangerous because then they're codependently relying on the thing they've created or the name of marriage, the the um, the idea that 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 will sort of save you from ending up alone. I guess that's sort of a codependent uh, way of thinking. Mm. A need. So I think that's the main difference is understanding that you don't need other people to love you. You choose to want to love other people and it's through loving other people that you get love. You can never just get love because you demand it or because you um, you make somebody give it to you. Yeah, yeah, and that's quite a common thing, like someone um, coming up and giving you a hug because they want a hug. And um, often you find yourself sort of repulsed by it or repelled by it because you can feel that it's not something that gives to you, it's something they're taking. Yeah. That's quite a common thing as well. Yeah. So yeah, you were saying that in order to receive that connection, you actually have to be giving it. That's yeah. pretty interesting. I think that's um, something I've learned, is that if you don't give, then you won't actually get it back. You won't get what you want back unless you actually give it first. It's just hard because you cannot feel safe enough to do that a lot of the time, safe enough to love somebody. Um, and if you don't feel safe enough, then you won't ever be giving them what they can give back to you. So therefore you never, you actually never receive up because you're almost like too scared of it. So then it's like you're, out, you're always seeking to find, to find it somewhere. But if you're too scared, then you won't look for it in the right places because you'll stay away from the places that look the most dangerous. That's pretty interesting. I'm not quite sure how we ended up here. <laughs> um, so, I think we'll get back to Marshall Rosenberg for a minute. Um, what is Marshall Rosenberg's NBC and how is that potentially a counter for versus mentality? I think his NBC is a process of expressing what you're feeling what you need and then asking if the other person will be willing to um, willing to do something in order to help you meet that need. So it's when you when you need somebody else, I guess it's just a way to ask for help in a way that doesn't push that help away from you so that you never receive it. It doesn't start an argument. It doesn't it's not intended to start an argument. Yeah, you're not you're not judging the other person, so you're not getting angry. You're able to stay connected to the way that you feel and what you need. Um, and what's that? What are all of these things in service of? What's the goal of using NBC? To communicate in a non-violent way to stop hurting each other when we're trying to get our needs met. I guess that probably is important to clarify. So NBC is non-violent communication. Yeah, so that's why it appears to be the only thing that can 
that could I think it's the one of the best tools I've seen so far for combating reversive mentality. Because if you can if you stop judging, basically if you stop talking in a violent way, then this would apply to social media as well. Because everything that we write, we can decide how we're going to write it. So we can write it peacefully, we can write it um, we can ask questions, we can enter the discussion, or we can attack other people and we can use judgments and we can diagnose and like there's there are two different ways of doing it. And you want you have to be aware of that if you want to get out of the risk of mentality, if you want to start having fights with people and if you actually want to start talking to them, actually start um, figuring out so what's what the can be done to make things better? Okay. So what's the shift that happens um, from acting or trying to enact change without NVC versus using NVC? So to start you off, um, I might say that um, without using NVC, often there's a lot of shaming involved. Yes. A lot of judgments, yes, yeah. a lot of evaluations or analyses. Um, people attempting to figure out what your intent is or or seeing your actions and making up their that intent that would suit them acting in the way they desire to act and basically taking responsibility out of your hands. Yeah, I think that's what happens. That's that's like the effect of that type of communication now. I I don't know if it's actually a mentality now when I think about it, because that, that almost like keeps entertaining the game of the versus idea that we are actually all attacking each other instead of actually instead of trying to have a conversation and and figure out what's going on. Um, because if somebody is shaming you and judging you, do they themselves even know that that is what they are doing? But uh, I don't know if it, even if they don't know that's what they're doing, it is still something that they're doing. It's the effect. It's yeah. the effect. Yeah. It's, it's what's um. It's what left. It's what's left after, after the fact. But in the moment of life when it happened, I don't know. I don't know what to what to what degree we need to get rid of the idea of verses, and at what point you do have to bring it in and say, no, you are doing this, and you know you're doing this thing. That you know you're doing this thing wrong. That there is still, in a sense, a judgment too, though, because... Oh, harmful. You're doing something that's harmful. You're doing something that's harming somebody else. Yeah, you can you can present them with the consequences of what they're asking to move towards. Yeah. Basically, at what point do we stop understanding people and we start punishing them? At, at what point does that line need to be drawn? Okay, uh, would we be able to get back to the shift between it? Because it's like, um, like so beforehand, before using NVC, there's a lot of judgment, there's a lot of analysis about what other people intend to do and what they're doing and why and all of this stuff. How does how is NVC a potential cure to that type of um, behaviour? I think it allows for understanding. So through your anger and your resentment towards other people, your empathy for them 
almost decreases. Like you, you almost um, you stop caring for them as much as you used to because they've hurt you as much as they have. So I think when you go and look at NPC, you start learning it, you start understanding it. Um, it's almost like presents a. I guess it gives you a bit of hope, and when you start using it and it starts working, that gives you even more hope that the connection can be rebuilt and the communication can be established again and needs that had to be pushed aside or forgotten about or met in ways that you would rather have not been meeting them through, um, you can actually start doing that now. You can actually start meeting those needs the way that you'd rather get them met, which most of the time is surrounded with by the people that you love, like doing things with the people that you love. Okay, so NVC teaches you to understand and to empathize with um, another person's point of view, and that's sort of one of two main processes that NVC teaches. Um, the first is to empathize with the other, and the second is to understand yourself and be able to present your own feelings and needs to the other. And holy shit. Um, and by doing this process, you're able to rid yourself of any, um, any judgments. That's something that you learn along the process of engaging with NBC. And by not engaging in judgments or analysis or evaluation and just expressing what you're actually experiencing without judgment, um, you're able to sort of act with a, with a clear conscience in knowing that nothing you are doing in the situation is adding to the negative as long as you're doing your absolute best to stick to the NVC process. Yeah. Which would be pretty interesting to cover. Yeah, I think if it is a point at which you, you are able to um, heal most of your shame, but while you are still feeling quite shameful and you need a direction, you need something that you can say, I know I'm doing what's right, because you're still, you, know, you still have that shame, so you're still always judging yourself as whether or not you are doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So if you're still stuck in that, because it does take a bit of work to get out of it, um, and you want to just start making positive change immediately, then I think that you could, we could definitely say that it is the right thing to do, or like a good thing to work towards. It seems to like it seems to be the best one of the best things that you can do for yourself, because NVC not only teaches you how to express yourself to others in ways that doesn't judge the other, but it teaches you about yourself because you're actively having to go within to recognize your own feelings and your own needs yeah. and what causes them so it might be easy to just quickly go through the process so there's observe where you um present what a camera would see or a microphone would hear that way there's no um like judgment or evaluation on what the other person did it's just this thing happened and this is what i feel so feeling is the next step you present what you felt because of what happened and then you presented the need that you have that wasn't met 
that uh, was basically the source of where the feelings arose from. So observation, feelings, needs, and then you've got a request at the end um, where you request what you would like the other person to do next time. So Marshall was pretty clear about doing your best to not say what not to do. And he's got some pretty funny examples of what happens when you tell someone not to do something. But the short route is just that you, your best bet is to ask for what you would like them to do next time. And in doing that, there's no judgment. You're not blaming the other person for what happened. You're saying, this thing happened. I felt this. Yeah. I'm needing this. Yeah. Would you be willing to do this next time? Mm. And so that teaches you to engage with your own feelings and needs to recognize, um, to basically learn more about yourself as you go. But also that inner work that you do, learning your own feelings and needs, is very powerful when you need to listen to someone else that's experiencing pain, experiencing shame. So someone else might come to you and throw every judgment in the world at you. But if you're well-versed in NBC and in the process of looking at your own needs and feelings, you're able to recognize the needs and feelings that they're experiencing through the words that they're using to convey it. So they could be judging you and shaming you, but you're able to listen to what it is that they're actually needing. Now, Marshall Rosenblum calls that wearing your giraffe ears. Yeah, yeah. And then he's got the jackal ears for when you hear judgments. So yeah, yeah. I, I could be talking in NBC and the other person may hear that you're just judging them. And that's jackals, that's uh, jackal hearing. And there's jackal speak and giraffe speak and all that sort of stuff. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. So that seems to be a very powerful cure for the versus mentality or the versus behavior or the, the othering, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think it would be really helpful. I think um, it definitely taught me to, I think just be kinder. It teaches you to be kinder, not just other people, but also to yourself. So everything does become a lot less violent, or even the the way that you can talk to yourself inside your own head. Everything tends to become less um, volatile because you start to actually hear what you used to hear as judgments and what you used to accept as shame as a request by the other person or or an expression. Our cat just tried to choke me. Sorry, I got to interject that there. She grabbed my chain and pulled it. Oh, it almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, I cut you off. Let, let's continue, let's continue. Yeah, yeah, all good. Um, yeah, I think it definitely does help you to become a lot less careful towards other people with what you say and also towards yourself. So when you don't get something right, um, if you're needing something, you can speak to yourself in the same way that you would speak to other people using NBC. That's you very important as well. It, you can use it with yourself. I think just changing the language almost is um, where the benefit comes from. I think uh, John Bradshaw talks quite a bit about this. Um, the conscious voice that you speak to, uh, speak with, or the voice that speaks to you in your mind um, is constructed of the voices that would speak to you as you grew up. So predominantly your mother and father or your parents. And 
often if verbal patterns are shaming then when you act in the world and the inner voice speaks to you it will speak to you in that way so nvc is also very helpful with dealing with protecting yourself from yourself in a sense. yeah because i know that i know that people say that um a lot of people have become quite uh vulnerable not vulnerable uh sensitive sensitive nowadays that people are too sensitive and they take things too seriously and that um they're offended too easily by what people say um i think that in itself is another example of the versus mentality because people are having that hard of a time um overcoming their own shame then they need a lot of help to do that and Yes, they may be hurting other people in the meantime, but some people just don't get taught how to meet their needs correctly. I'm not. I'm not quite sure if if that's completely like. I don't think that's the whole story because I think there needs to be an understanding that there's a balance between sensitive and aware. Because some people may may be sensitive, and you can be too sensitive. I guess that's a judgment in a sense, but. You can be too sensitive to thrive in reality. Yeah. And that can be... Yeah, you can find it hard to live. You, you can, can find it hard to live. Um, and you don't want to do anything because yeah. your shame every day is just too much for you to bear. No, it, it could be different if you are understanding, like, and let's say you practice NVC on someone. Someone does something, uh, you feel something in response, you've got a need, you've got a request, and you bring this forward to someone. And they respond with something like, oh, you're being too sensitive. But let's say you're not actually reacting at all and you're just following the process calmly and, and, and openly. You're not being sensitive. You're being understanding of yourself and asking for change. Yeah. That's different. That would be different from someone who would feel something, not recognize what their feeling is, not recognize what their need is, not know a request that would be beneficial to change the situation, and they just throw judgments right back. That would be seen as more along the lines of sensitive because something triggered them and they were unable to control themselves. Yeah. That's sort of the difference between sensitive and being um, potentially understanding yourself, but actually having strength in understanding yourself and presenting that forward. Yeah. And whether it's that's sensitive or understanding and strength together will be judged by the other person. And that's what you have to make sure to not allow into yourself at least you have to not accept whatever their reaction is because with NBC all you can do is put that forward mm. it's another great area though because how how far do you go with that like how how much of the dysfunction in the world at the moment is because people just don't have a clear enough understanding of what's going on or what is actually being said and how much of it is people just not caring enough to stop before they go too far and hurt somebody else. A lot of that seems to be based off how far things have been pushed with that individual during their life. So if, if uh, a child grows up in a household where uh, he drops a cup or something and 
one of his family members comes over and beats him for making a mistake, um, it will be much easier for him to repeat that sort of behaviour when a small thing happens when he's an adult. Yeah. So I think it depends on that. So do you do you learn hate or do you just not learn how to laugh correctly? Like is there actual hate in the world or is it just love you love just heading in the wrong direction completely? It's interesting because love seems to be different for a lot of people, but um, we've sort of tried to learn about what the meaning of love really is. And it was John Bradshaw that said, love is the decision to care about someone's spiritual growth or some spiritual development. Mm. It's a decision. Now, it's very confusing because Well, it would be very difficult to love care about somebody else's spiritual growth and you're just trying to survive because you mm. have no idea of your placement in the world and you have no idea of your value. And it's very easy to mistake any emotions that connect you to someone for love. Yeah. So you could even say um, uh, someone gets kidnapped and they've got Stockholm Syndrome. How do you distinguish that from love when they are afraid to leave or they they seek to stay with the person that's oppressing them. Yeah. So the, all there's all of these other things, and that's one of the things that NBC helps you with, is it helps you to distinguish between your emotions so you can actually understand what you're feeling. I think the being afraid to leave is having no trust in the fact that that individual will be able to meet their own needs if they did for you. Because when you're in an abusive relationship or you're brought up with like abusive parents, abuse you like physically mentally um you don't grow up with a very solid trust in yourself at all mm. so i think the stockholm syndrome thing is, is more tied to that but they, they're scared to leave because they don't have any trust in themselves whatsoever but that can tie into what you're saying as well what I was saying was that there are many different emotions that we experience and many different um, many different forces that bind us to other people through our different bonds and it's very easy to mistake something else for love, especially if you've never been shown a love that supports your life and supports you becoming who you could become. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, Another thing I wanted to bring into this was, especially because of the NBC process with managing your emotions and your needs and okay. everything, um, anger versus fierceness. Okay. I thought that's something that, that you'd enjoy ripping, ripping on. Okay. Yeah. I have. Um, I think it was something I used to overcome my shame regarding confrontation. So um, whenever I would try to stand up for myself and like whenever I would try to get my needs met. Then again, I'm, I wasn't using NBC, so um, I would always feel ashamed because like, I was never listened to, regardless of how I tried to uh, approach it, I was never listened to. Um, that was growing up, and I think being in a relationship, having to accept the fact that um, I 
do have a say in how things go, but my needs do matter. And that if somebody makes a commitment to you, then it's worth, like it's, then if you make a commitment to pursue something together, it's your responsibility to see it through, the responsibility of each individual to see it through. So for me, what fierceness is, is that you stand almost as a gatekeeper to the, um, to the, the goal that you had committed to, um, and you don't let anything that would seek to destroy that in or, or to let it exist. And that doesn't mean that you use violence to eradicate it. It just means that you stand um, firm in the face of everything which would have shamed you before and made you step aside and let that in. You stand that, in the face of it and you say no. That reminds me of um, Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness, the idea of uh, using skillful effort. Mm. Yeah, so that's why I've been enjoying thinking about it lately. Because mm, there is a difference between letting your anger come out and being fierce. So Jordan often discusses um, resentment, and there are two. Um, there are only two sort of alternatives that you can apply to deal with resentment. One is confronting the other person, and the other is sort of just standing up and accepting it, accepting what's happening as being fair or even or okay. Um, now, resentment is often shrouded in anger. The emotion anger is a big part of resentment. But fierceness is disconnected from that. Fierceness is driven by your love and by your desire to accomplish the goal that you're aiming towards, which is what you were saying before. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's not just, a, it's not really, I don't think you can find that if it's just the God that you're aiming towards for yourself. I think it's when you, because all my love is incredibly important to me. So when I give it and it doesn't come back, it hurts a lot. Um, so I think the fierceness is almost like the, you can only have that if you're giving your love. To somebody, I don't think that if you're just with yourself that you can have that. I don't think that exists. I think that's it's almost like it's the same with um, men as well. I think there's a part like the book Fire in the Belly mm. talks about that that energy, that sort of rage in men almost that doesn't exist unless they love something. And if the only thing they love is themselves, that won't exist at all. Um, I think that's why you don't find that in like Buddhism when you go into deep spirituality, where um, a lot of the rest of the world, a lot of the rest of life is cut off. You don't really get that fierceness. You don't really get that rage against the anymore. But it's there for a reason. Unless um, it's driven by bitterness. Yeah, unless it's driven by resentment. But then that's that's not the same thing anyway. Yeah. So, I think you only get that when you love. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to cover on these topics before we move on? No, I want to see what you, what you want to talk about next. <laughs>
So I think it would be a pretty good idea to do some clarification on um, our last conversation about Hitler. Okay, about yeah, Nazis. yeah, that's good. Yes, yeah, we had another conversation you, about you it. Stop her! Like, I She's not looking at me. She's biting my. I head. know, but I had patience that whole time, and now it's just disappeared. Like, can she go? <laughs> She's lovely, but she does it all the time. <laughs> all day. Okay, so clarification on Hitler and the Nazis. So I think the first thing I wanted to go into. The, oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't explain that correctly at all. But that first podcast was pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah. So, or do you just want to start? You just want to start on Yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't actually looked into it too much, to be honest. I, I listened to probably about a quarter of a book that I got off Audible about him. But I just remember um, being shocked at the fact that he'd actually gone to prison for some time. For something that he did before the um, before World War Two happened. Um, so I just... I just, I guess I was trying to, with my comment, I was trying to break that versus mentality down again, because um, you make somebody like a demon, that it was only them that did it, all the evil was just in that individual, then you'll forget, or you won't be able to see how, or understand how evil actually grows, like how bad things can actually um, happen. So, that's, that's basically what I was trying to clarify there with that. Because that was just my, that was just my, um, comment with you saying that, like Hitler did, and I was like, no, it wasn't just Hitler, like, there was a lot of other people around him that, um, negated his responsibility to love, I guess, to life, and just let, they didn't have any <laughs> rage or fierceness, mm, um, mm. they didn't stand in the face of it, I guess they thought it was for the best. A lot of people didn't have the correct information. I think know. it was a capital, like, they capitalized on people's resentment. Yeah, and also just their lack of understanding, because there would have been a common fault that wouldn't necessarily have been much of the benefit past mm-hmm. their votes. And a- anger is a very powerful emotion. One of the sources that we've learned from said that anger is one of the sweetest emotions. Once it starts, it's very hard to resist following down the you path. You can get addicted to it. Yeah. You can't you can that's a really common thing, being addicted to being angry. So I think um one area one thing I wanted to talk about in relation to um the Nazi conversation that we had was um some of the ideas that we've come up with from watching Lord of the Rings. Ah oh, yes. Yeah we did a, a marathon a few weeks ago, eh? Yeah. We did Marathon Excess Impossible. Certain amount of um for that many hours, but I think we watched some like we watched like half a night for a while. Mm-hmm. I think it took us like a week and a half to get through them or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um the idea that we sort of came up with was that the ring is almost a metaphor for the darkest idea. Or um like a combination of pathological desire and Sauron himself is sort of like the dark lord that is destined to wield that idea Mm. Um, so we can compare this to the situation with Hitler and um, he didn't create the ideas that led him to go where he went 
but he was the one that wielded them. Mm. So that means that everyone that helped to nurture the cancer that was growing within their society has, um, bears responsibility for the outcome of what happened because mm. ev- like everyone that didn't stand up and try to stop it allowed these dark ideas to grow amongst the people and to grow in their resentment for what was happening and to become bitter that their lives were going the way they were going and to pass power to someone who was willing to do something about this and this is something we actually also discussed a little bit of this in the last episode with you have to be careful with what you believe and who you support if the person you're supporting is supporting the worst in you supporting, supporting the best in you yeah yeah yeah, yeah so um, <laughs> the, the idea that yeah, we came yeah. up the idea that we came up with was that the darkest idea is always trying to find its way to the strongest person, the strongest of the weak, the strongest of the vengeful, the strongest that can wield the idea. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess it'd be I guess it'd be the person with the blackest heart if you were going to like judge them. It'd be like if it was a story or something. It'd be the most the person who the most powerful person that was the most easily corrupted because competence has to come with power and when you don't have competence what do you have like but it's almost like that like because the like sauron had competence the the person who wields the idea tends to have competence they tend to be the most competent the competence in the humanities because there's not a lot of competence in the humanities now and that's why that's why it's dangerous what do you mean well there's not a lot in the humanities they're not they're not they don't seem to be um trying to decrease the versus mentality they seem to be increasing it so oh yeah 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 the, yeah. the humanities have almost become an attack on what is being human um which is being imperfectly perfect but there's an attack on that now instead of trying to assist human to grow it's like it's now a way to um just change it and warp it in a certain direction instead of going with like, like, it's like it's having a line in the middle instead of that. Can you explain it? Um, not, not in any real detail, detail like a fact. Like a fact. <laughs> I can't really go into facts like you can. Um, but I'm pretty sure that you get the kind that it's like what's happening with the University. 
I don't know how much you've heard about him bringing the city. You'd be very interested to look into. Um, there's a very well done documentary um, with uh, Dr. Brett Weinstein and Dr. Heather Hyman about what happened there. And uh, the reason that I bring every university into this is because it seems to be in like a small scale representation of what happened in of the dark situations that have happened in history that we were able to sort of bring out with like the idea of the Lord of the Rings that, that we discussed previously. Yeah. Um, you, you can see the growth of many of these pathological ideas in the, within the university brought in by the, prim- the principal that came into the school and started changing things and brought up like the Equity Council and quite a few other um, like formations and groups within the high school, oh, within the university, sorry. College. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And, um, it's, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah, something like that. It's just evergreen. Just evergreen. Okay. <laughs> just, 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 just go evergreen. So, so if, if you, you watch, watch the documentary, documentary you, you watch lots of clips from it. You, you, you tend to see this one individual um, that's sort of at the driving at the end of what's happening there. Yeah. yeah. And. They, they seem to be, that the individual seems to be pushing quite heavily for what they're saying, but also it's like they're wielding the idea as a weapon against the people in the university that they see as the enemy, which tends to be the faculty and the principal itself. Yeah. Um, so that's almost like a small scale event of that, that stuff happening, because that's a, it's a similar example to what happens in Nazi Germany. With, um, with with this idea, idea growing amongst the people, unrest um, growing, and then someone sort of taking the helm of that and, and fighting forward with that idea. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and once again, it's not cool. it's not saying that those people are having the same effect. It's not saying that that many people have like the same amount of people died or the same amount of people are. It's not about the consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not really. It's, it's not. not saying that what they did in that situation had exactly the same consequences as what the Nazis did in Germany. Yeah, it's saying that the ideology, like fueling, like what's fueling their ideology um, is what is negative. And I think that's the racist mentality in what they're doing. But you just stop, you stop having discussions, you stop trying to communicate, um, you stop accepting help. You start fighting as well. Yet you claim that you need it. Yeah, you claim you. Well, it's not really that people people are going to stop asking for help now. They're just asking for acceptance. They're asking for handouts. They're asking for the right to be where they are. The right to equity, I suppose. They're asking for equity. They're asking for even if even if I didn't fight the same battles you did, even if I haven't come as far. Um, it's just because I couldn't try as hard, so you need to give me everything that you've gotten through trying hard. I need everything that you have as well, even though I didn't earn it necessarily. Um, to me, that's a little bit too far. It kind of does, it does definitely um, start building a bit of resentment there. It takes a lot just to hold that back. Mm-hmm. I think there's so many other 
the first episode. Like, at what point is it enough? Like, the people that you're asking to look after you and to um, give you these rights and to make everything okay about how you feel about yourself. It needs to be a law. People need to accept me. They need to be okay with me. Um, how far does that need to go? How, how much do the people who can give you that? You can't change the law. You are doing their best every day. Um, have to accommodate for you. Because if I had anybody like that in my life demanding those things of me, and not willing to talk or discuss with me or even understand what my needs are concerning the situation, then they wouldn't really be in my life at all. <laughs> Brutal. Well, you, like... But serving life. Serving. Like, nobody likes to have a biking dog as a pet. Like, as much as you try to love it, it fucking pisses you off. Because it won't stop biting you. Hmm. Yeah. It never feels safe. It, it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if it's you've only got okay, like with your dog, you, you get a training and everything. Hopefully, you're able to help it. But I guess it's like, why would I have friends or people in my life like that around me all the time, constantly telling me that I need to change because there isn't enough acceptance for how they are? So I need to change and what become like them or just become less of who I am so that they feel okay being like how they are. It's like, I've been struggling my whole life to find out how much of myself is acceptable. Um, and I think at any time if I had started screaming and shouting at other people to just find me acceptable for who I am, then I would have never been able to accept myself because Where's the respect in that? Where's the self-respect in that? Like, do you want to be known as somebody that throws tantrums and then asks for their needs in that way by screaming and, and yelling at other people? That goes back to the um, the like patterns of behaviour before NBC, or being too sensitive without having the strength to um, moderate yourself while you express your emotions. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the kind of behavior that is seen as too sensitive these days or, or self-destructive or, yeah. or damaging to others and things and if like it, that. And if it's just because the generation before didn't raise their children correctly and now we've got all of their kids on our hands that we don't know what to do with, then at the, at the very least, just ask nicely for the help. Just ask nicely. Like, at the very least, just do that, and then I'm pretty sure that everyone will be able to move on from their resentment and actually help out, but you're going to have to ask nicely. And mean it. What What do you mean, mean it? Because you can ask nicely, but resentfully at the same time. You have to ask nicely and mean, you have to mean it. You yeah, well, actually, give some help. respect to the people that can help you, because who's going to listen to a voice that constantly criticizes them? The only way that they're going to listen to to you if you keep treating them in that way is um, when you become more violent than they're able to be and that's a really dangerous way to go down. Especially because they tend to be less violent because they have more power. It's like um, someone who can't fight can often get away with like 
fighting as hard as they can versus someone who can fight or is well trained in martial arts, mm. they tend to have to hold back because if they hurt someone, they will be held to task at a higher, like, at a higher, higher stakes, sort of. Because if you're trained in martial arts, an example is that if you hurt someone, you are charged with uh, assault with a deadly weapon because of your martial arts. Yeah. So it's like that person has a lesser ability to actually engage with their mm. violence. And I've, I've been considering the effects of social media have had on this. I've also been considering the effect that women moving out of the home had on this as well. Because um, the workforce was predominantly a, a male-focused area. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it's like men have a different type of aggression than women do. They do, and I yeah. think that's something we can cover in another episode. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. That's it, cool. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope you have a good day. Anything you'd like to say? Just go and listen to some music, sit by yourself, listen to some deep, calming music, just sit by yourself and think about um, nothing, really. And just see what comes up, because um, that can show you a lot of what you're actually feeling at the moment. Thank you very much. Catch you on the next one. See ya. <laughs>